Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. We did finish a series, Luke, a couple of weeks ago and started what we call the, the COVID context. We thought we'd talk about a few things that are really in our space or in our face, maybe you could say as well, as far as all things COVID, which we've all been going through for the last 20 months or so. And uh, we thought we'd touch on a few of those that are really, really important. And uh, again, as we do that today, let's um, set the scene here as we think about this. Uh, what is bound to happen when you get a group of people together from a, from a wide range of backgrounds? You'll probably get a wide variety of different tastes, colours and flavours of life, won't you? You've got a whole spectrum of that. It'll be very creative. It'll be very stimulating as you get this wide group of people from a wide range of backgrounds. You'll probably also, not probably, you will, you'll actually get a wide range of opinions on different matters as well when you draw this large group of people together. Uh, You'll think differently and you'll respond differently to various issues of life. Uh, That'll be both stimulating, I think, to see that variety of of of, um, people and different ideas, but also challenging as well when you have these different opinions, the way we think differently on life. Well, that's gonna, we're going to see that today in Romans here, Romans chapter 14, as we think about uh, this group of people gathering in the church and they're bringing together a whole range of diverse backgrounds. It's creating some great creativity, but also some stimulating some challenge there as well. Paul's going to address that for us today in Romans 14. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, please go with me to Romans 14, and we're going to read from verses 1 through 12. Starting at verse 1, let's go. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in the honour of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honour of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God while the one who abstains, abstains in the honour of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Lord, we thank you and praise you now we can come to your word. We ask and pray that Holy Spirit you'd grant us uh, eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind to understand and a heart to receive. We pray, do the miracle in our hearts and our lives now we pray, Holy Spirit. 
Open up the truth here that Paul's showing us in Romans chapter 14. Under your inspiration, we pray. Help us now in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So Paul is writing a letter here to the Christians in Rome. He's building them up in the gospel and helping them to apply it to everyday life. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is unpacking the gospel and showing how it works in their lives. And it looks like Paul is now dealing with some various situations that are occurring here in the church at Rome. Last week we looked at a situation where they were thinking about how do we view the government? How does the government and the gospel intersect? The government is God's appointed servants for our good. We saw that last week. And now in chapter 14, it it seems like there's some type of disagreement here amongst the followers of Jesus within this church at Rome. They're thinking differently on things. They've got various opinions now that are occurring within them as they uh, try and work through this challenge. So I guess there's some questions there. How do we handle things that we disagree on? What do we do when we have a difference of thought or idea between ourselves? How do we react and respond to each other over issues we think differently on? How do we do that? This is a major issue for churches. God does bring together a wonderful tapestry of people from a wide variety of backgrounds who have a diverse range of thinking on things. Not only is it a challenge for the church, it's also a challenge for the world. You get involved in sporting clubs or social groups or whatever and you just get differences of opinion there. So how do we handle these differences of opinion where that occurs? Here's our big idea as we think about that today, where we're sort of shaping as we're going here in Romans 14. Uh, As we live under the lordship of Jesus, we can lay down our rights and freedoms and opinions to help build others up in love. We can lay those things down. And we can help build others up in love. Okay, disagreement. What is this situation here in Rome? It always helps to get the background of why someone has written a particular thing. The context really does help us. It looks like there's a couple of groups of believers here in Rome, with one group being strong in their convictions of the freedom that they have in the gospel, and another group there within the same church, believers as well, who are weak or immature their understanding of the freedoms that the gospel has brought to them. So one is strong in the freedoms of the gospel, the other is weak in the freedoms of the gospel. The church is made up here both of Jew and Gentile believers and the Jews here in this church have a very strong cultural and traditional mindset of ritually clean foods. That comes from centuries old, uh, from the Old Testament as well, about having foods to be ritually clean. They would call that, we want our food to be kosher. That is, it had to be carefully prepared by certain processes for them to be able to then eat of that food. Now, for the Jews in this church, this was all part of their worship of God, this sort of culturally acceptable way of preparing food. And these believers in Rome at the time were concerned that the food there in Rome wasn't prepared in a ritually clean way according to their cultural traditions, especially the meat, as Paul talks about meat here. So it looks like they refused to eat meat and probably became vegetarians at this stage. I'm not saying anything against vegetarians when I say that, but that's how it looks like here in this passage. They refused to eat meat and they've now become vegetarians. If you're a vegetarian, I love you. It's okay. You can be a vegetarian. The Gentile believers, though, in the church, they had no such traditions with food preparation. When it comes to meat, all they could think of was, well done, medium, Or 
Rare, that's right. You've been to the same restaurant. Well, they ask you, how do you want your steak? Well done, medium or rare. Or it could be, will it be chicken? Will it be pork? Will it be beef? Or will it be lamb today? That's all the Gentiles could think of when it came to meat. How, do I, how will I get it? So you could imagine here, if you're just thinking of the scene, the, the Jew, Jewish believers and the Gentile believers, they've, they've gathered together on the Lord's Day, and this Gentile believer walks up to his Jewish believing friend and says, hey, I've just bought these delicious pork ribs. Come back to my place and we'll throw them on the barbecue today and we'll have a feast. Well, how do you think the Jewish believer with centuries-old cultural traditions, how is he going to respond to that when he hears that? Are you for real? How can you worship Jesus and eat pork? Well, that's his response. And then the Gentile probably responds back, well, get over it, princess. There's nothing wrong with meat. So you can see here this opinion's beginning to rise up and there's things happening. Paul calls it out and says one is disrespectful and the other is judgmental. Have a look in verse 3 there with me. He says this, Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So the one who eats meat is now looking down with contempt or despising the one who doesn't eat meat. And the one who refuses to eat meat... Well, he's looking on the person that does eat meat with a critical heart. So one's despising one and the other's sort of being judgmental towards the other. They're both believers. They're both believers. Paul's recognised them both as believers, but they're divided over this matter. They're actually beginning to perhaps draw up battle lines here over this disagreement. Well, what is this dividing line between them called? Is it just meat? Well, Paul calls it an opinion. An opinion. Look in verse 1. It says this, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Paul really sets the tone here in this first verse where he's going. This is the important issue here that's happening. Don't argue. Don't quarrel. Don't pick personal sides over opinions. Well, Paul, what's an opinion? What do you mean by this word opinion? Well, an opinion is our personal thought. It's our personal idea. It's my personal view or it's my personal attitude towards something. It's something that I've personally perhaps gathered. Uh, Here's an example. I might think uh, Lakes Entrance is the best place to go for on a holiday in Victoria. Now, someone else might say, I think it's Apollo Bay or I think it's Mildura. Or someone else might say, no, I think it's Yarrawonga. What are they? They're opinions. They're just personal opinions. But what's happening here, though, in Rome is is that they're bringing their opinions, their personal points of view, and they're making it now like a very important part of their worship of Jesus within this church. And they're beginning to push their opinions onto others within the church. Now, it's really important here as we just stop and reflect for a moment. How does the Bible sort of inform us when it comes to opinions or points of view or life in general? What's really important to understand is the Bible doesn't, doesn't speak into every detail of our life. I can't find in the Bible, do I put on red socks today or blue socks? The Bible doesn't talk into every specific detail of my life. The Bible will tell me something about dressing, like to be modest when I dress, but it doesn't tell me 
what colour socks to put on. So it doesn't speak into every detail of life, but what the Bible does do is give us really good principles, broad principles that actually shed light onto all areas of life, but doesn't speak to the exact details of life. As we think about this and as we think about opinions and what's really important, what's clear to us in the Bible and what's not clear to us in the Bible, we actually can break it down into sort of two, possibly three aspects. I will say three. Firstly, as Christians, we can believe that there are many things that the Bible speaks clearly about. It's not an opinion. It's something that's very clear to us. And we call these primary beliefs or primary doctrines or essential doctrines. At Exchange Church here, we often refer to these as closed-handed beliefs. Uh, These are truths of God, truths of the scripture that we don't move off. There's no room to negotiate on these truths. We actually either a Christian, you believe this, or you're not a believer. Such as, Jesus is the Son of God, fully God and fully man. Jesus died on the cross, taking our place upon the cross. That's a closed-handed belief. That's a primary doctrine of the Bible. The full bodily resurrection of Jesus is a primary belief. It's a closed-handed belief that we believe about Jesus Christ. The Trinity of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Again, it's a closed-handed belief. It's a primary core doctrine. That's just to name a few, but we actually don't move off those things. Christians will stand day and night to say, this is what we believe in those things. There's no room to move on that. You can't deviate to the left or right on those things. These are primary beliefs or or closed-handed beliefs that we don't compromise on. Then there's secondary doctrines. Secondary doctrines that we can still form out of scripture, they are things like different types of baptism, different types of church governance, uh, spiritual gifts and even end time theology will fall into this. These are secondary doctrines and and none of these types of doctrines, these secondary ones, are primary in the sense of what the gospel is. In other words, it means this, how I get baptised, whether as a baby in infant baptism or whether as a believer's baptism, how I get baptised doesn't affect my salvation. It's a secondary doctrine. And at EC, at Exchange here, we call these open-handed doctrines. So one is closed-handed, we don't move, this is just fixed, we don't do anything there. But open-handed means there's room to sort of move around here for different beliefs, different things. So we hold these doctrines loosely. If someone comes to us and says, I believe in infant baptism, that's cool. That's cool. No problems. If someone says, look, I believe in believer's baptism, that's cool. It's totally okay. It's a, it's a secondary doctrine. This doesn't affect your salvation. Now, we practice here believer's baptism. We dedicate babies. And if someone is interested in baptism, please come and see me. We would love to baptise you. So primary doctrines, secondary doctrines, and there's probably a third type of issue here, which we call opinions, but sometimes these might morph into perhaps secondary beliefs as well. The obvious one here we're reading about is meat in this chapter. One group were convinced in their own mind that true worship of God means keeping away from unclean meat. And at this time, Paul calls these believers weak believers, Weak as in they haven't fully grasped the freedom that Jesus has purchased by his death on the cross for us. 
Uh, Jesus had declared earlier in the gospel, he declared all foods clean now. Now, because of their cultural background, they still hadn't quite appropriated that to their mind. They were still living in that sort of cultural mindset. The group hadn't seen that at the time. They still felt convicted by eating this unclean meat that it was sinful for them to do that. So they didn't do it. It was a conscience thing formed in their mind. They hadn't fully appropriated what the gospel had now said about all food. So they actually felt condemned somewhat by eating this food. But the other group, they had grasped the freedom of the gospel, that Jesus had declared all things clean, and they could now eat meat to the glory of God. But this this opinion here was actually doing something to sort of divide them at this time. We have other opinions also in church settings that can also see division as well. Just naming a big one that's right out there is drinking alcohol has been a major one in churches over the years, probably over the centuries as well. Some people believe that drinking any alcohol is a sin. Some people really believe that. And others are totally okay with having a glass of wine with their meal uh, at the meal table. They're totally okay with that. Now, I can tell you here just quickly, there's nothing in the Bible at all that says drinking alcohol is a sin. There's plenty to warn about drunkenness in the Bible, but there's nothing about drinking alcohol that is a sin. But still, people actually feel very convicted by that, and that has divided churches. Very often these opinions, alcohol is a bit separate, but some of these other ones aren't covered in detail from the Bible. It's actually something that gets formed in our own mind, uh, something we might have heard or read or seen, and we just begin to form this strong belief about it. It's a conscience thing, not necessarily from the Bible. There might be some small bits and pieces you might attach to it from the Bible, but generally it's just something personally you've convicted in your own mind and you begin to see as very strong. So we have primary beliefs, we have secondary beliefs, and we have personal opinions. But here's the point. Very often we allow our opinions to easily creep into our primary belief category. Something that's really just personal and should be loosely held, we allow it to sort of become super important and become our primary belief category. We actually become very strong about our opinions. Why do we become strong about our opinions? Why do we allow something that's a personal point of view to become very strong in our life, where we actually say it becomes really important with us? Well, I think often that we think is, my opinion is right. If you just saw it like me, you too would agree with how I see things? Or how could anybody possibly think differently to me? My opinion's got to be right. Or if you get into a discussion about opinions, I have to win. My opinion has to be right, so I therefore, to make sure my opinion's right, I have to win the discussion. Or I find this opinion to be a cause that I can really identify with, strongly identify with. It's an issue that I really take onto myself and I begin to actually see myself identified with this opinion that's been formed in my mind. These become very strong with us. Think about our current COVID-19 context. Some people identify very much with an anti-government opinion. They're strongly against the opinion. So what do they do when they've strongly got this bent? Well, they just about hop on board with anything that they see that is anti-government and they'll put their lot in with that 
particular group of people or that particular opinion. I've watched Christians, even on social media, where they share or forward on things, particularly those that have an anti-government stance. People are very quick to see something that suits their opinion, bang, forward on or share or whatever they click or tap or whatever. It just happens. And then I've, I've seen that before, and they'll use these words here attached to this article they've shared or this meme they've shared or this picture they've shared, and they'll say, truth bomb, just saying it. So that'll be, that'll be in the comments section uh, under their, their shared article. It's become very personal for them. They've actually gravitated towards it and said, this is, this is me, I can identify this, I'm strong about this. But it's still only an opinion. And I was thinking they probably shouldn't just say truth bomb, they probably should say opinion bomb. Who knows? Well, it could be true for you, but it's not true for the next person, it's your opinion. They identify that opinion, it becomes very, very strong with them. Here's the result, though, of when we allow these personal opinions to become very strong in our lives. We can easily make a storm in a teacup. It becomes a storm in a teacup. We allow secondary things to become a primary thing to the point where we'll even divide up relationships over this opinion. You don't see things the same way as me, okay? I'll pack up my bat and ball and I'll go home over an opinion. In churches, we've seen churches split over the style of music in a church. The content is great, it's gospel-focused and gospel-centred, but the style was different, and some people have left a church purely because they didn't like the style of the music. Some churches have split up because of Bible translation. Some churches say, this is the only translation you can use. And they've gone off and formed a new church purely on that basis. I was part of a church that had a mural at the back painted. Uh, a new pastor come in. He wanted to freshen up the church. He wanted to paint over the top of the mural. So it was, I should say it was a simple thing, but it turned out to be a, a major, major thing where people were actually wanting to leave the church because someone was going to paint over a mural at the back of the church. I think it's just a painting, but it just shows you how strong opinions can be and how personal they can become. And people, they, they leave, they move on. And you see, if we don't watch it, we could easily allow these differences of opinion over responses to COVID-19 and the vaccines to become an issue where we leave a church over an opinion of that issue. We can easily allow disrespect and judgmentalism to creep into our hearts and see our brothers and sisters in that way, judging them and disrespecting them for their view. And when that happens, relationships blow up. And what do they blow up over? All because of an opinion, just an opinion, not biblical doctrine, not a primary first cause, core issue of the gospel, but simply an opinion. There's only one winner out of that. It's not the Lord Jesus Christ, it's Satan. He wins in that when he sees churches and people divided over opinions. What does he do? Satan sits back and he laughs at us as we tear each other up over opinions, personal points of view. So, how do we learn to disagree? How do we learn to have good, healthy discussions with different points of view? How do we learn to have discussions over opinions? 
Well, the love of Jesus Christ shed abroad in our hearts enables us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, to lay down our rights or freedoms so as not to allow the opinions of the weak or the opinions of any, because they're personal opinions, to cause people to stumble, to cause relationships to divide. It's the love of Christ working through us that helps us and enables us to do that. Have a look here at Romans 13.8, which is prior to the passage we read, but it says this, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The gospel is a love transformation. It's the love of Christ being revealed to us through the cross, through the person of Jesus Christ, who don't deserve this love, but it's now given to us, and we now get to be filled with that love and then to show that love to others. It's a love transformation. Christians should be the world's best at disagreeing. We should be. Because of the love of Christ flowing through us and in us, we should be the world's best at disagreeing. If they had that at the Olympic Games, Christians should take out the gold medal for being the best disagreeers. Look what Paul says here as well. In this passage, he says, we aren't the final judge and jury of anybody. Look in verse 4. He says this, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. It's before Jesus that we ultimately stand to give a final account of our lives. It's not before each other. That's what Paul's saying here. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant other? It's before his own master that he stands or falls. One day we will all stand before God to give an account of our lives. We cannot escape that. We'll give an account for every word we've said, every deed we've done, every thought we've had. It's to Jesus. It's not to each other. So it's not our position to become judge and jury, cutting everybody down because of their opinions and they're different to mine. We stand before the Lord, not before each other. We don't live for ourselves. We live for Jesus as our Lord. Look in Romans 14.7. It says this, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live... We live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. What's that saying? It's not about me. It's not about my personal opinions about life. I don't live for my opinions. For me, as a follower of Jesus, life is all about him. It's all about Christ. It's all about him as my Lord. Through life and through death, it's all about glorifying Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. Not about myself. It's not about pursuing my personal agenda because of my opinions. Paul's not saying that. He says we are pursuing Christ's agenda through the, through the gospel. Why? Because we live for him. We're not living for ourselves. It's not about our personal thoughts. Here's another one that Paul says in the same passage. It's about the gospel and not my opinions. Have a look in uh, Romans 14, verse 17. Uh, This is really key and really powerful. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God, isn't primarily about opinions of food and drink. This is what Paul is saying to these people here in Rome. Or it's not about the opinions of music or the opinions of alcohol or the opinions of the coronavirus and everything that's attached to that. The kingdom of God is not primarily about those things. The kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, 
is about the gospel. It's about him. It's about that person of Christ who lived and died and rose again from the grave to, to rescue and to save us. It's about the Holy Spirit growing in us right living, bearing the, the fruit here of peace and joy. This is what the kingdom is about. It's about the truth of who Christ is, not about our opinions. It's not about my opinion, but it's about walking in God's love. Look in verse 15. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. It's not about me forcing my opinion onto somebody else. It's not about me being insensitive to my friend and causing them offence by saying and doing things that I know that will upset them. It's not about that. It's about walking in love and bearing with my brother or sister in patience. It's about walking in love, aware of the challenges they're dealing with, aware of the things that are very sensitive to them and not railroading over the top of them with my opinion to cause offence. It's about walking in love towards them. Well, how might that look in a conversation today or a discussion? The topic comes up. And we have opinions, different opinions. I've got a person that I speak to from time to time and nearly every time I get to catch up with this person, whether we're on the telephone or face-to-face, it's amazing how often in the COVID context it gets back to conspiracy theories about a one-world government that the coronavirus is bringing in. It's just amazing. Whenever we start talking, we start talking there, but we somehow just get out there. We just get to the same topic somehow nearly every time. How do I approach that discussion? How do I think my way through that? Well, the first thing I think about, is this a primary biblical doctrine? Is this something that's really clear in the scriptures? Is this something that's really paramount to the gospel that I should be concerned about? And as I think about it, no, it's not. This idea of conspiracy theory and one world government, it's not critical to the gospel at all. Although my friend does think it's somewhat linked to end time theology, and very quickly that's the next thing we get onto. Uh, and even in that, I think my friend is probably chasing a rabbit's trail with that sort of thinking how it's linked to end times. But that's my opinion when I, when I say that about him. I might from there though say this. Gee, that sounds like an interesting thought in the discussion when they've actually gone in that direction again. And then I'll try and move on to another topic and do my best to steer away from that opinion because I just know we go in different directions. You might call that a throwaway line by just saying, that sounds like an interesting thought. So if you ever hear that from me, you're all going to be thinking, yeah, Todd's not going to talk about it now. He's going to go another direction. But it's helpful. It's helpful. I don't have to win the discussion over that opinion. It's not about that. I can happily just move on because I know we're thinking in two different ways on opinions and I can just very happily leave it there just like that. But the discussion could go in a different direction because that person might come back and say, oh no, I'm really interested in what your opinion is of my opinion. What do you think about my idea? They didn't buy my throwaway line. They wanted to go further and dig deeper. I'm really happy to engage in discussion then, I really am. Because if someone says, I'm genuinely genuinely interested, great, can we have an open-minded discussion then? Can we just sit there and just talk as loving brothers or loving brother and sister, can we actually, can we talk about this? Great, we can do that. Well, then we've got somewhere to go. What I'll say then is this, what does the Bible say about this discussion? 
What does the Bible say here about shedding light onto how we're thinking? How does God's word speak into this opinion or this thought? How does it actually inform us to see where we're going? And we may spend a considerable amount of time in God's word and we still might come out the other side disagreeing over that opinion. Could be over whatever. Now there's a real danger here though. In the middle of this discussion, you, you might have God's word open up and you, all things are happening. And the danger is this, we can get very passionate about our point of view. We can get very passionate about what we think. And we can feel like, I've got to win this discussion. Because it's, it's me, it's, it's my reputation, it's my identity on the line. I've got to win this discussion. We don't have to. We don't have to. It's just a personal opinion. And even if my friend seems very shallow and perhaps weak in his biblical understanding of secondary issues, even if it's like that, I still don't have to win. I still don't have to win. Because you see, to win, in my mind, to win may mean crushing his weak faith by sort of bulldozing him into my position. And what have I gained when I've done that? Nothing except potentially losing a brother. I don't have to win. I can walk away from that discussion. I can actually just drop the ball. Heard that phrase before? Some of you want to hang on to the ball in an argument? Just drop the ball. Just walk away from it. It's not going to achieve anything. It's not going to gain anything. The only thing you're going to risk here in getting very passionate about secondary issues or opinions and allowing them to become primary issues, the only thing you're going to risk here is blowing each other up in relationships over an opinion. And when that happens, Satan has had a field day in our lives, destroying us, pulling us apart, breaking up relationships. But I can walk away. I can just simply walk away and allow opinions to be just that. An opinion. An opinion. And through that we can maintain gospel-focused relationships through disagreement. I've had lots of disagreements with people. It's cool. It's no problems. You just disagree on that issue and it's only an opinion. And you see, when the world looks on and they see Christians being able to disagree in this loving way... They say, you guys have got something we haven't got. Because, see, when we disagree in the Apex Club or the Social Club or the wherever, and nothing against Apex Clubs, but if we disagree in these other groups, we just fracture and splinter. We get personal and people never talk to each other again. Or even families, the same thing can happen. But you Christians can disagree and you still love each other. You've got something we haven't got. Perhaps they'll just echo the words of Jesus. People will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another, even evident during disagreements. This is a critical foundation of our lives here, is to learn to disagree well as believers. To do this, we've got to have Christ's love flowing through our hearts. Look again at verse 15. Look at what he says there. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, by your opinion... By forcefully pushing that upon your brother or sister in Christ, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. The friend you're disagreeing with is one whom Jesus loved so much that he died for them. So over opinions, you don't have to win the day. You don't have to lose your brother or sister in Christ in the process. We can agree to see things differently. Let me just finish with this quote here from Augustine. 
about 400 AD, said this very, very powerful thing, which just still stands today. It says this, In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Let me put that in today's language. In primary doctrines, we're unified. We don't move. In non-essentials or secondary things or opinions, we have freedom to think differently with each other. And Augustine says, in all things, love. Love. Through primary, through secondary, through opinions. Let love be the ruling, dominating character trait that God is building in our lives. Then let's appreciate the beautiful and varied community that God is building. And let us disagree in such a way that God is honoured and glorified even through the process of disagreeing. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you today as we come and uh, open up Romans chapter 14. We think, Lord, of uh, the troubles that are happening in the church in Rome. And we Lord, even think about the troubles that are happening in our world today, Lord. Disagreements over coronavirus, disagreements over vaccines, disagreements over a multitude of things. And Lord, we've all witnessed or experienced people who disagree to get so passionate, so personal, that, Lord, they blow up relationships over it. People will never speak to each other again because they've disagreed over an opinion, not something that's core or foundational in their lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, let the gospel be worked and applied in our heart by your strength and your power today, that we are to love one another and to recognise what is primary and core, to recognise what is secondary and to recognise what is opinion and just appreciate they think differently to me, that, Lord, you've gifted them and wired them in a different way to approach things from a different way. Help us to approach those discussions thinking, what can I learn today from my brother or sister, even though I might disagree with them? And above and through all that, Lord, please help me to let the love that you've uh, quickened in my heart to flow out into their lives. And Lord, through that, may you be honoured and glorified. May the world see Christians as the best disagreeers in the world who can do this in love. Lord, we ask and pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us.